You're an hour I, late. We've no, been no, here. No, I blame Eric. Is Eric a new <laughs> brand of beer? <laughs> You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 32, recorded Thursday, October 13th, 2016. In this episode of PHP Ugly, John, Tom, and Eric talk about how Slack is taking PHP seriously. Laracon EU videos are released, Facebook releases yarn, and much more, so let's get started. Episode 32, PHP Ugly. It's late on a Thursday night. You're here with the Ugly Crew. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Brightout. I'm John Coleman. <laughs> it's getting uglier and uglier. My God, you think we have been doing this for six months or something? Like, this is our first show. Yeah, but we need an a director. Hour late. We're an hour late. You're an hour I, late. We've no, been no, here. No, I blame Eric. Is Eric a new <laughs> brand of beer? <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. So I got, I got to tell you where I was at tonight and why I'm an hour late. Let's hear it. Oh, spit so, it out. So there's a dad's group that I've been a, a part of now for a while. And last minute they decided, hey, let's get together tonight. And we went to Coin House in La Mesa, which is way out east from where <gasps> Oh, we're my God. You went to that Coin House place? Yeah. It's you amazing. Bastard. It's awesome. Is this one of those Penny Arcade me. things? No. It's not a Penny Arcade, but it's an arcade. It, it it's is an arcade. adult arcade. So it's high tech. You go in there, you give them a, your ID and a credit card, and they give you an RFID chip or basically a, a little uh, bracelet that you put on, and you go up to different taps. You you put the RFID against the the thing, and you start serving yourself beer. So it tells you how many ounces you've drank, how much that particular beer is per ounce, and then all the arcade games. Again, you just put your wrist up to it, and you can play the game. Oh, boy, that's end, that to... is an awesome model. So you don't have any idea how much you're spending yeah. until you go stumbling out of the place? Right. Pretty much. You're oh, just, my God. You're flying blind, go flying blind on beer and video games. Is, it sounds like the worst combination. The, the only thing they're missing is food. They, all they have are soft pretzels. It's like, uh, you guys need, you need to have some beer or some food here to increase your profits. Let's uh, go. So I, everybody, everybody listening, let's bring everybody up to speed. What's it called? Coin? Coin House. Coin House is a bar here in Southern California, down here in San Diego, that recently opened. And like John said, they serve beer and they have video games. And that's straight from the 90s. So that that was going to be my question. Are they all classic video games? Yeah, it was like a throwback. They had Paperboy, Contra, Joust. It was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then on top of that, they had like a four player Pac Man. So. You are Pac-Man, but your goal is to eat not only the ghost, but the other Pac-Man. <laughs> but if you're the same size. Are so, they, so you start are they up, all the same color? No, they're four different colors. You start up oh, the okay. you know, you're small until you, you eat the super pellet. So if two small Pac-Man hit each other, they bounce off each other. If two big Pac-Man hit each other, they bounce off. But the big Pac-Man eat the small Pac-Man. It was so much fun cannibal cannibalism it was but it was so cool and is this this is 21 and up only they don't id you at the door so i guess not i don't know how the i don't know what they do i mean maybe that's how the maybe that's how the bracelet works like yeah maybe maybe you need the 
You can't get a bracelet unless you're 21 and up, maybe. Yeah. The kid's bracelet just dispenses Zima. <laughs> <laughs> How was their beer selection? They have 50 taps. So it, okay. it was extensive. It was good. Good? Okay. Yeah. I assume some local breweries here? Yep. A lot of Modern Times, Stone. It, it was a good selection. Although, I, they had a meme. I have to go on Facebook no here and see which ones you drank. I, I actually put one up there. I didn't. I didn't mark them all. What is this social social drinking thing you do? Beer untapped. Untapped. Yeah. yeah whenever whenever did... John's having a a good weekend, I get a notification on my phone. <laughs> it's the only tweets that go out for him. Yeah, I've I earned, earned I earned ten medals. <laughs> and the sad part is, I don't untap all the time. I should do it more often. <laughs> In other words, I have a problem. Yeah, San Diego is known for our microbreweries. We have a lot of them. Eric, what are you How's everybody's there? week going? Oh, I, you know what I'm drinking. Lagavulin, baby. Lagavulin. Always. Lager. Always and forever. Lagavulin. And you never share. He always LaCroix. shares. LaCroix. LaCroix mango carbonated water. <laughs> I did mean to grab a water before I sat down and I forgot. Damn. Actually, this is from lunch. Just sitting here. <laughs> so to answer your question, one hell of a week. How was your week there, guys? I guess mine went okay. Uh, I, I remembered as soon as, I, if you recall, last week was eating at me. I had a discussion point I wanted to bring up with you guys, and I couldn't remember. And, of course, the moment we finished recording, it struck me what the discussion point was. And I'm like, oh, man, son of a gun. Not that it was that earth-shattering, but as I explained last week, I was having uh, some coffee with a friend, and we, we were talking about work and projects we've been working on. And he brought up an interesting uh, situation that had recently happened to him that I'm like, yeah, this happens actually fairly frequently. And what that was is his he had noticed a pattern with the management team that they seemed suspicious about work performance on anybody who wasn't staying late, who wasn't frantically putting out fires. And my friend's point was, at the time, all my code is clean. I have tests I run. I do uh, you know, a lot of work to make sure it's solid. I follow good practices. So my stuff doesn't break. The developers who are kind of cowboy coders who throw out a lot of code, things are constantly breaking. They're always in this firefighter mode. They seem to get more praise from management because they look like they're working harder because they look like they're they care about the company and they're trying to address all these issues and i i, I was explaining to him it's like you know that's actually something you see from operations a lot it's like when servers are just working when they're dialed in correctly and they're not giving you a problem management will come to you and say hey what do you do here i mean are you really that important because you don't seem to have to do that much work. It's like, yeah, I don't do that much work now because I did that much work when we set, set up this environment. And it's just, it's a weird paradigm because the reality of it is if you're doing good code, if you're putting in solid systems, when all that's done, yeah, your workload theoretically should go down. But that makes you look like a bad person because... 
again, you're not constantly working. You're not constantly fixing problems. You're not, things aren't always breaking. And, and people in, in management doesn't see that as, hey, he must have done a really good job because, you know, that, that environment hasn't had a problem last year. What, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I can tell you, my boss is a good programmer. And that has meant all the world for the level of stress I'm under when something looks simple but isn't simple. He knows what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. He knows the things I'm working on. When he says, check out this new search engine technology, he knows I'm going to be reading for three hours and that I'm not going to be producing code. And I, I still tell him, hey, you know, I've got to read the docs for like a while. And he says, yeah, yeah, of course. And I've had bosses in the past where they said, hey, do this search thing. And I say, well, I'm going to have to read for an hour. And they go, no, just do it. I, I know what you mean. I, I definitely, now, I work from home, don't feel that same pressure as much. Not even working from home and not feeling that pressure. When I was the only developer at my previous job, I felt like I was producing as a cowboy coder, like you said. I was knocking out code left and right and thought it was amazing, but things broke often. But at the same time, I kept saying, well, it's because I'm producing so much code that a small percentage is breaking, so it's acceptable. Yeah. And if you, was... if you pee enough, eventually there's going to be blood in it. Does what? that not work? <laughs> what? You're back on the... You really need to look at your health care coverage there, Tom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you're peeing blood, you might want to go see somebody. Uh, John, go I've ahead. I've been showing everybody. <laughs> go ahead, John. You seem like you're going somewhere. No, that, that's it. I I was a cowboy quitter. It, and to a point, I still am today. Producing code makes me feel like I'm getting stuff done. But when I do step back in architect well, test well... I'm happier with that code in the long term, but I'm producing a little bit less. At the end of the day, I'm happier with the the lower production, a higher quality code. But in my previous life, a lot of code, a lot of things being produced made me feel better at that point in my life. Because I didn't know better. This This paradigm, I mean, it rolls over directly to the consulting field that we work in. Because, I, and this has always been one of the arguments we've had around the hourly rate of a developer, because when you're paying a developer an hourly rate, there's very little incentive for that developer to work efficiently or work good or produce good code. Because the more you need them, the more things don't work correctly, the more things break, the more hours they get to charge you. And I've seen it time and time again, where these relationships get developed, where you have a developer who keeps developing crap code. He keeps going into firefighter mode and saves their their client by fixing it at the last minute. And these clients grow dependent on those developers. Like, oh, you know, I have to have him. He he's so good. He saved my butt so many times. But it was him who put your butt in into jeopardy in the in the first place. And that has a lot to do with the art of of what we do, though. Too is that we have to be able to present ourselves with value. You know, there are definitely times when two people can make the same thing that looks the same and renders the same, but they're very, very different. And you have to be able to show somebody why these two things are different. Why is it that they're paying 
you instead of another person or you more instead of another person. And that that comes down to, you know, resume and catalog. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think we're talking about different things. I, I, I don't feel like this conversation is really going in, all in one direction. Spiraling um, wildly. Yeah. I mean the, the, the point the point I'm trying to I'm trying to help address is how do we rectify the situation of being able to, to to differentiate between a good developer who doesn't look like they're working as hard because they're not having to fix problems all the time as opposed to you know a potentially poor developer who looks like they're working all the time because they're always fixing problems but they're problems they established I mean how how do you how do you go to a client how do you go to a supervisor? And say, hey, these are the things you should be looking at. You shouldn't be looking at this guy stays every night until seven o'clock fixing bugs in his code. You should be looking at, you know, how many bugs are produced by his code compared to how many bugs are produced by this guy's code, or how often is you know this ops guy servers down compared to how often this ops servers guy guy servers are down. I mean, what are those metrics and? And how do you encourage people to kind of keep that focus? Yeah, I, I think that might be an unwinnable war, though. I don't know that there is a good model for for determining that. Um, I, I've seen coders who had zero interest in being coders, so they were clock-in, clock-out developers. And I've seen coders who did high quality work and hated going home so they clocked in and worked till nine o'clock every night and everything they were producing was rock solid it isn't just a matter of how late are they staying at work i think there are other metrics that need to be measured for sure yeah when there's a bug whose whose code is being changed and who introduced the bug to begin with but who's really tracking that that, that takes a lot more time to to figure out and and how do you how do you present that so a a non-technical person can understand it right i mean yeah these bug tracking metrics that we as developers and it guys follow i mean it's kind of our own little secret sauce i mean we we know where those numbers are we know what they mean but you're talking greek to non-technical people to get them to understand the impact of yeah this one little bug Costs you, you know, forty hours, and and somebody trying to track it down, fix it, and test it again, and all that. But also doing, also doing the tracking to say who's to blame. Pointing fingers is not a fun game, so nobody's right. really going to do that. I'm not going to go and say, well, I I spent three hours fixing something that Eric wrote. You know, it's just it's not going to happen that often. Right. So we find ourselves living in this, you know, world where things are kind of backwards. I mean, it doesn't really benefit you to be too good of a developer because if you're too good of a developer and you develop too good of code that doesn't require babysitting, doesn't require fixing all the time, you could be perceived as a lazy developer. I, I think it's a matter of company culture. When you look at the top companies to work for, you're also looking at the top managers to work for. 
And, you know, when I throw my resume out there, I make sure that my affiliations with SDPHP are on there, that any articles or my GitHub or, you know, all my stuff is out there because I'm applying to part of the culture and I want to apply to a company that respects the culture and my involvement in it. If they say, what is this SDPHP thing? I say, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll check out another company. I mean, yeah, it's, yes, it's, it's. You missed an SDPHP meetup. I heard it was a good one. I was actually pretty proud of it. I presented on Docker for PHP developers and you guys egged me into doing it. (laughs) Uh, And then we we didn't show up. (laughs) And then neither one of you guys show up to support me, you bastards. Okay, no, when I said you should do Docker LOL, I was not egging you on. You guys said it here on the show. What are you you talking about? You said, oh, that makes it the next uh, meetup topic. I so did. yes, I did. I did do Docker. My understanding of Docker did not grow greatly between the the one little thing that I did and my presentation yesterday. But I did learn enough where I'm going to continue down that path. Um, the things I presented yesterday was by the end of my presentation, we were spinning up, spinning down full stack Docker environments where everything. Every, everything was a separate container. The web web server was a separate container. The application server was a separate container. And the database server was a separate container. And this allowed us to switch in and out different versions, different solutions. So we started off with a Nginx, PHP, MySQL solution. Then we swapped out the MySQL with Postgres. Then we swapped out the Postgres with MariaDB. And it was very flawless. Uh, most of it was done live, which was always a big no-no during presentations, but everything worked uh, really well. And fortunately, we had somebody there who had some knowledge with Docker. So there were there were a lot of questions about disk, how, how disks are handled, that I just didn't have answers for. And uh, he was there and, and was able to answer it for us. So it was good. It was a good conversation. It was a good, uh, good meetup. I was happy. Sorry to have missed it. I really wanted to be there, but... As you know, as can't, I know, can't do it right Children. now. Children. <laughs> Children. So what else? Anybody else got uh, anything they want to talk oh, about? Oh, I got something week? for you. Taking PHP seriously. Now I saw this on Facebook. I, w- I wanted to read it. I bookmarked it to read. I just haven't read it yet. This article has blown up. Like I've... the Note Seven has, or <laughs> not? Not quite. So the first the same. thing that. The first thing that caught me by surprise is Slack's use of PHP. I mean, they're they're like the new, cool, cutting edge solution that everybody's using, and I actually just assumed that they were all using like the newest technologies out there. And it turns out, a lot of their backend, a lot of their services are PH is written in PHP. I almost all of their backend, from what I can read, is in PHP, yeah. and. And not blindly so. I, they really looked over the entirety of options before choosing PHP here. And it's it's a fantastic article. We'll have the links in the uh, annotations here. But uh, it, It's called Taking PHP Seriously, and it's on the Slack.engineering website. But and, yeah, we'll get the uh, links in the show and notes. And that domain is fascinating to me. The fact that they have a engineering TLD, <laughs> 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 Slack.engineering. So, I mean, do you guys remember 
the old article, uh, PHP a fractal of bad design. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the the go-to for anyone hating on PHP. It lists everything out in a very, very fine detail, and it is now a decade out of date, but it still gets a lot of rotation in the development community. And this is the new version of that document, where it really nails down what the solid issues are in PHP, but it also nails down why PHP is so strong and what can be done to make it stronger. Where a fractal of bad design made hundreds of bullet points, this article makes four. Four very simple bullet points. Uh, and addresses them individually, saying, why would I still choose PHP with these bullet points? It's a fantastic read. I really want anyone out there who's got issues with PHP to take a look at it, because the the conclusion of the article is... Starting all over again, would I choose PHP again? Yes, but I would know why getting into it. I would know better why I was doing it when I was getting into it, but I would still do it. And that's how I feel about PHP, is that, yeah, it has its flaws, definitely. And you have to know them, and part of being a good PHP developer is having been stuck with PHP a few times and knowing what these pitfalls are. But it is still strong and it's just getting stronger I, I don't know i don't know how much you guys want to get into the minor elements of the article yeah i mean i i think this is a great topic for this this podcast i mean what did they outline as some of the flaws that they saw with php well I, the number one thing and i think every anti-php article starts with this is the the weak typing PHP allows for sort of random interpretation of typing sometimes, where 123 can equal the same as 123 foo, but uh, 0123 does not equal 0123 foo. And you have to know how PHP is interpreting types to do this kind of stuff. It's the thing that makes PHP so approachable, but it also makes some of the bugs that can come up really hard to figure out. Typecasting is one of the hardest things to really nail down in a language, and I think one of the issues here is that typecasting in PHP doesn't follow a single old-school style. It follows the C style and the C++ style and some of the Java style. So it, it gets messy when you're dealing with typing. But then item three says, you know, the failure oblivious philosophy, so that when something does fail, when there is a typing issue, you're not made aware of it. In many cases in PHP 6 and below, or, I'm sorry, 5, PHP 6 never actually happened, if there was a type conversion failure, you got no notification of this. Now, Laravel treats this much better. Laravel is a very strongly typed framework and will throw errors instead of warnings or notifications. But PHP in its raw form will try to push on and render the page anyways. So, And, and that's a strength when you need the page to render, but it's a real weakness when you need the page to render correctly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to me, yeah, that's this is, this is a good a balancing article. act. 
strongly recommend anybody, uh, anybody listening to the show, take a look at this, taking PHP seriously. Um, like I said, I, and I think I, I'm going to start subscribing to this engineering blog now that I realize uh, they run PHP. I wonder if they have any other PHP articles on here. Let's take a quick look, shall we? Uh, personalized channel recommendations, like internship, data consistency checks. Yeah, that looked like their first PHP article, at least from what I'm seeing. Some interesting talks on here, though. Yeah, it, on it's... Empathy and pull request. I want to follow this guy on Twitter because he, he clearly knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, you mentioned Laravel. Let's use that to kind of segue into our next conversation. Laracon EU happened, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, I want to say. And uh, much like the Laravel US conference, they videotaped everything. So those tapes are now available, or the, those streams are now available tapes. Um, those streams are now available and really worth the watch. Even if you had gone to the Laravel US conference, even Taylor's keynote, I mean, he jumps right into a bunch of topics that he never even got around to with uh, Laracon US. So we'll, again, put, the, put that link in the show notes as well. And uh, if you're a Laravel developer, even if you'd gone to Laravel US, take a look at these videos. So I don't know about you guys, but I've heard the word yarn about a hundred times the last week. Every developer I know about is talking about yarn. See, it, the reason I know yarn is from Cal Evans talking about. Yeah. He, he's got a new book out, How to Spin a Good Yarn. And it's all about how to give a good presentation. <laughs> I think I think I think the reason I've been listening to it might be a little differently. Why have you been listening to it, <clears throat> or been hearing it, not listening to it? I, so Facebook is releasing a new "quote unquote" lightning fast package manager for JavaScript, and it's called Yarn. And my understanding of it, and again, my focus in JavaScript is very limited. But uh, this is supposed to become like an alternative to NPM, which is currently how everybody installs these JavaScript libraries on projects. I think the big bonus to it is it's supposed to be quicker. NPM, if, if you've used oh, it on no. big That's not projects. the big bonus. Okay. What's the big, the big bonus? The big bonus is the lock file and the local installations. So this yarn takes note from composer and uh, it's clearly written by somebody who was looking at all the issues that were happening in, in the npm community lately and saying well why the hell isn't it just like composer so they've instituted a lock file so that the version that you pull is the same version that someone else pulled uh, as long as you run an update command instead and it's faster because it's using a much smarter detection for local cached versions versus pulling remote versions every installation. I think the current way to install Yarn is still through NPM, but yeah, it's definitely poised to replace NPM after all of the problems that NPM has had. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if Yarn takes off. I think it will. I think it's something that Facebook has done, and every time Facebook does something, everyone stands up at attention and starts trying to do it too uh this next topic uh did you want to talk about this thomas nope i was trying to hide it <laughs> nope. I, 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 don't, I don't think you're looking at the trailer board what are your PHP? your favorite yeah your favorite php storm secrets yeah, I was try, just trying to hide it 
Why are you trying to hide it? it? You don't. Why are you? Trying I to added it? this earlier in the week. You know, I, I, I have this argument with myself constantly about getting better at my IDE. While you're using PHP Storm and not Vim, I know, I, I know your feeling. It's really just despite this one person. <laughs> I like PHP Storm for what it is—a full-blown IDE. I I have absolutely no problems with PHP Storm. I I I use it on a daily basis. I do use my my uh, Vim workflow in PHP Storm, which is one of the reasons why I use P, why why I feel comfortable using PHP Storm. But these these little tips and tricks uh, with the PHP Storm IDE and the IntelliJ in general, I. I just enjoy watching them. The article you posted here, my favorite PHP Storm secrets, wasn't really as much of a tips and tricks one. Uh, it was more kind of uh, explaining to you some of the features in PHP Storm that maybe a, a regular developer doesn't know about. I, I'm pretty. It, he didn't point out anything new that I wasn't aware of. Uh, right. He, yeah. There's nothing he did really shocking. Only have in there. ten. Yeah. He only had a. He only had about ten minutes. It was uh, Gary. Uh, Hawkins, Hoken, how you pronounce that last name? Hawken. Hawken, who actually works on PHP Storm. So, yeah, I mean, it's worth the watch if if you're a new PHP developer or if you're new to PHP Storm, uh, definitely watch it. If you're a seasoned developer, especially a seasoned developer in uh, PHP Storm, uh, I suggest that you look for videos from a guy named... Uh, Heidi Herrera, Herreri, Herreri, I think. He does a lot of videos around IntelliJ IDE, which is what PHP Storm is. Uh, just about everything he talks about and for the IntelliJ IDE applies to PHP Storm. But this guy is great. I mean, he's a funny guy to listen to. He has a very long, a couple of very long videos on YouTube I'll link to one of them in the show notes. But he has a bunch of tips and tricks for the IDE that I watched after using PHP Storm for over a year. And I was like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. You're talking about that that really long video where he doesn't touch his mouse at all. And then he keeps touching his mouse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's called IntelliJ Idea 42 tip, Tips and Tricks. And... Uh, He's just a funny guy. I mean, he's a he, he's a, he's a good speaker, and he keeps talking about how now he's not going to touch his mouse anymore. And he does that even without using the Vim workflow that I use, and I, I know John uses to an extent. The, the clearly he, superior Vim workflow. Absolutely, he does it though without that. Although he makes reference to it, he says this can get better if you chose to install this Vim plugin. But he kind of does it with like a vanilla. I think it's almost a vanilla install of IntelliJ, and he's you know moving around without without touching his mouse. So he's preaching about the benefits of doing development without having to reach for your mouse, which is something every Vim developer has been <laughs> talking about for the last thirty years. So Which yeah, because you don't have the option in Vim. I'll uh, I'll definitely you do have the I'll option add that. in Mac Vim, but you don't need it. That's the thing. That's the thing. You know, once you understand the benefits of not having to reach over to your mouse every time you want to move around, you there's no going back. I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you. Even, you know, John gives me a hard time. He, he ribs me because I'm still kind of leaning more towards using Vim, like the core of Vim. Although I play with other text editors and IDEs, and I look at implementing my, my Vim workflow in those because I have very specific ways I like to do things in Vim. But John's always been kind of a, a the core Vim guy. Like he 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 doesn't customize his Vim that much or or, or at all. No, I, I so customize he, it just not as much as you do. Yeah. So he he still uses it. he still uses the Vim workflow, but he's perfectly fine staying with PHP Storm. So that's it's, the difference. It's it's an open relationship, but you know who you're coming home to. That's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got two left here. Did you want to talk about the one? Oh, I'd love to. What was the last time you guys coded some PHP? A couple of hours ago. A few hours ago. I was thinking about it, and like it's for me, it's been a while since I've written something I would say was PHP. I've seen a lot of your code. I I would say it's probably longer <laughs> than you think. <laughs> it's <laughs> I use Laravel on a daily basis. Every project I run right now is a Laravel project, and lucky. As I dig through what it is I'm doing. It doesn't feel like PHP anymore, and I think this is partly PHP seven and and five, three and and above, you know, really coming in, and the fact that I remember the days of PHP four, but almost everything I use is extending a base model or a base controller or uh, using traits, implementing helper methods that improve upon the methods that are fundamental to php but i don't use a lot of the fundamental methods in php now yeah i use the logic operators and the general workflow of php but it doesn't seem like i use a lot of php core anymore i mean when was the last time you guys wrote session start the other day (laughs) (laughs) that's a while And, and I get what you're saying. I mean, so so you're you're falling into a, a scary trap, right? Right. You hear you hear it a lot in the WordPress community where WordPress people will say, "I'm a WordPress developer." They're not PHP developers. They're WordPress developers. Right. And that is not somewhere you want to be. You should be a PHP <laughs> developer who does WordPress or. Yeah, you don't want to be a Laravel developer. You want to be a PHP developer who prefers Laravel, who uses Laravel. Right, absolutely. Um, so, the, so what are you doing to to help protect yourself from from falling into that well that trap? My issue is, I feel like I know PHP, but I haven't tested myself. And mm-hmm. I think the way to test myself is I need a project in symphony or zend or back to what we were talking about a while ago hacktoberfest well i mean symphony or or, or zen you're, you're just switching out frameworks at that point sure you, but so i i was going to say i would i would suggest that you need to code a project without a framework go back to the basics and do it and actually probably do it with with very little composer i mean maybe Maybe use Composer to help you auto-load your classes, but don't pull in Guzzle. Don't really, pull in Really carbon. scratch everything up. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and I that's think going I, a little far. <laughs> well, but it's a, it's a good 
test for yourself. I mean, there are subreddits that do programming challenges, mathematical challenges, or just layouts and stuff. You know, there are ways to do tests for yourself that don't seem like you're just spinning your wheels for no reason. You don't need to make my personal homepage number five. You can write a game that's in PHP but doesn't use a framework. Uh, and I, I think that's something that I need to get back into to strengthen up my fundamentals. I'm with you. I write write packages, right? That that's a lot of these packages. That's what they are. They they are the they are that raw PHP, you know, put together in a nice little package so that other people don't have to write that raw PHP. So just think of a cool package to create and create it. Yeah, and I I think I've been very reliant on other people's packages to to do what I want. Oh, I know I have. Like I said, Carbon, Guzzle. Oh, I mean, God. Those, those two alone, it's like I, I don't do any of that stuff manually anymore. We got one last right. story here. If John were to look at this story, I bet you he would assume Thomas put it on the list and would never figure out that I, I was actually the one that put this one on the list. No, I would have figured you put this one on the list. You would now, have opened it up and read it? Just from the website alone. I Eric saw the headline. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know me too well, John. <laughs> you know I've been traveling a lot. You gotta, you know, how else are you supposed to meet people? No. So, uh, what the title was was Backpage.com CEO arrested in uh, Texas uh, among um, human uh, trafficking amid. investigation. Yeah, uh, human trafficking trafficking investigation. And uh, I'm like looking at this. I'm like. Oh my God, really? Seriously? Another one of these millionaire guys figures, you know, he's bored with life and he's going to do something stupid. And so I, I open it up and I, I watch the, the news clip and read the article and it's actually pretty terrifying what happened here. Yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta interrupt you right there. Cause I, you posted this early last week. I looked at the headline and I was like, Oh, this is a Jared Fogel situation or this is, this is just some human being being awful and getting arrested for it and right. the story is one paragraph long and i didn't even bother and reading it, it first off if you don't know what backpage.com is think craigslist but if you can believe it sleazier it's Way kind of a sleazier, sleazier. <laughs> kind of a sleazier craigslist so the fact that 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 was even a title I mean, it's like, okay, this guy, it wouldn't have blown me away. I wouldn't have been that surprised by it. But yeah, to Tom's point, when you watched it, when you read the article and watch the news clip, what had happened here is uh, Texas, I guess some attorney general in Texas decided to arrest the CEO of Backpage.com and raid their offices because they had linked back human trafficking to posts that were posted on backpage.com yeah and that's like the, this whoa. is arrested for the content on the site that is generated by users right so again much like craigslist people post things on on backpage.com and this would be very much like craigslist like like uh you know the district attorney of california going and arresting the owner of craigslist because he's linked the fact that People run prostitution rings posting articles on his website. I mean, it just, that really kind of raised a lot of red flags for me. Yeah, it, it's, 
it's similar to if Airbnb's CEO was arrested for a a bad tenant illegally renting out his apartment building. Sex dungeon. Or sex dungeon. Yeah, but that's kind of what I figured you were going for. I wasn't, but... <laughs> It's way too late for John to be up, Thomas. We're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. <laughs> it's an interesting proposition, though, that that you are liable for the content generated by your users. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure the guy is sleazy as hell. I've worked for very sleazy CEOs, but there are implications in a, in a settlement if this suit goes or if this if this arrest goes all the way to prison how responsible somebody can be for user generated content or how proactive do you have to be and i'm i'm a, i was really amazed once i read the one paragraph of the story that i hadn't heard about this before in all of my eff and public internet openness forums that i'm a member of why hasn't this come up yeah, I need to. This article is, uh, I think, about a week old now, and I need to try to see if we can find some follow up to it because I'm, I'm really curious. It's so the, it the, seems like the, the the paragraph that's standing out to me is making money off the backs of innocent human beings by allowing them to be exploited for modern day slavery is not acceptable in Texas. I intend to use every resource of my office to make sure those who profit from exploitation and trafficking of persons are held accountable. So. It, they're assuming he's making money off of this happening. That's why they're going after him, huh? Which is technically the model. I mean, it is yeah. an, it is an open forum. It is it's the sleazy version of Craigslist because it's less moderated. But that takes it to the place where it's illegal. That's kind of crazy. But we all have heard the stories of murders that have happened from Craigslist listings. Where you go to somebody's house and stupid shit happens, they're not going after the CEO of Craigslist for murder, right? And that's the thing is that what we didn't say, which the article does say, the article does say he was arrested for pimping, right? Which yeah, I saw that. I'm pretty sure pimping is a far more active role than CEO of website, yeah. like. Well, I mean, to their defense, he did step off the pl plane with one of those big hats and a huge feather coming off of it. That's that true, came. yeah. But yeah, this this does seem to fall under the the, the human rights arena. Like, yeah, there's, there's some basic principles here that some rights of his that seem to be getting violated. I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, because you don't like to see that stuff happening you know, exploit of people in general, but especially underage people. And, you know, these law enforcement agencies, they're, they're already starting at a huge disadvantage, you know, because they, they're bound by rules and regulations and rights. And they're constantly trying to come up with new ways to approach and attack this. And I'm sure once this was floated by, a DA somewhere, it seemed like a reasonable approach, but when you really take a step back and you sit there and say, no, you're kind of violating this guy's uh, civil liberties, uh, I don't think you guys are, are doing this correctly. It's it's tough. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Well, to and I'll, I'll one-up you on that. If you look at 
the retirement, the quote-unquote retirement today of the CEO of Wells Fargo after he actively pushed fraud on his own customers, he's gone unarrested, and he's getting a 200-something million dollar bail for retiring. What is the difference between, I mean, somebody who's actively participating in fraud versus someone who's being arrested for his inaction on his customer's behalf? The, the color of their collar is the difference there, my friend. It is. It's the golden white, collar. White collar. It's not even white collar anymore. There's white collar and then there's golden collar. There is, yeah. I I am a millionaire and I run a company, and there is, I am a billionaire and I run a company that the government depends on. If you have a golden yeah. collar, you can do no wrong. All right. Tom's doom and gloom. Yeah, that, that's my fault. I, I was I triggered you that time. I apologize. <laughs> okay. I was your trigger. <laughs> All right. Well, it is past midnight here in lovely Southern California. I think we're going to wrap this one up tonight, guys. We don't have I a fun this. one to close out on. This yeah. Is, nope. Use a password manager. <laughs> he, he actually used that in the. We were talking to somebody. Uh, this week and John actually one of our clients we we, we say all the time on our podcast use a password manager I'm like you're an idiot (laughs) no you're not you You gotta plug the podcast as often as you can (laughs) no I did appreciate it actually please please (laughs) like and subscribe use a password manager (laughs) alright that's it we're done I'm Eric Van Johnson I'm John Congdon I'm Tom Rideout it's late I'm so tired good night Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly. Ugly.